0: Thank you for doing that. So it's one of those million-dollar questions that you get to ask your kids. I have adult children, and one of them, Dustin, is back for the summer from his graduate studies, and we're driving down I-90, and... We are just talking about philosophy. We are talking about life. And so I asked him a question. I said, so when you look at your peers, the 20-somethings, what do you think about this culture? What, what, do you, what's, what, what are you hearing as you talk to your friends? What he said to me was that we don't trust the promises that were made to us anymore. I said, well, explain that to me. He said, the promises that we were given have not been met. And what people said they were, they weren't. So we now have this tendency to, to withdraw, to, to come introspective, to, to go inside and protect ourselves. Now, if we find somebody who is trustworthy, someone who seems to have a piece of truth, and they actually live out of the truth. And it's not just having the truth, but they actually live out the truth. Then we connect with them. And we journey with them. What he was describing, as clear as I could see, was a tribe. And we've talked about this already. A tribe are those who, who have these shared values that direct their life. And they have this mutual protection and care for one another. It's a tribe. In fact, it's what made the friends in the city of Rome the most resilient church in the first century. Because when their persecution became deadly, they went underground and lived in the catacombs. For some reason, they still would die for each other and they would die for the truth. And they understood that church was not a couple of hours on a day of the week or a building. They understood that it was a connecting. It was a journey. It was a relationship. It was a tribe. It's to those people that we've been reading Paul the Apostle encouraging and saying hello to at the end of one of the most incredible theological books of the New Testament, the book of Romans. And with all that theology, the first half of the book deals with the theology of life and salvation of how to come to know God through Jesus Christ and how to get rid of legalism and find the freedom that you, that you have in Jesus, and then how to apply it. He gets to the very end and culminates this entire this entire letter with these words of hello and encouragement to the tribes that have gathered in the city of Rome, the very ones that will go into hiding eventually and be persecuted and die and stay within the catacombs during this intense persecution. And so I want to take us to a couple of those groups of people that he mentions this morning. I want you to see who they are. So if you take your your Bibles and turn to Romans, the 16th chapter, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. You can use the Bible in the rack in front of you or use what is on your outline this morning. And we're going to, again, just park ourselves in Romans 16 and eventually make our way over to 1 Corinthians. Romans 16, and this is simply what he says, Greet Greek, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them greet Phylogos, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Now, did you get some deep theological meaning out of that? We don't know much about these folks except this, that he just listed a group, two groupings of two house churches among many in the city of Rome. These were house churches. These were gatherings in the homes of those who were followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus, and those journeying in the process of knowing Jesus. These groupings would meet almost every day to to talk about Jesus, to pray together, to, to have a meal together, to encourage one another. Rarely did all of them gather together in one joint gathering. They stayed in communication, but it would be rare that all of them would gather in one setting. In fact, it was not safe for them to do that after a while. But still, they gathered in their homes. What we do know about it is that the core of these people were what Paul called brothers and called saints. The word brothers is the word adelphos, coming from two Greek words, the first being a which means to connect delphus, meaning from the womb. He said, you have come together, and whether you've known each other for 60 years or for six months, because of something that has happened to you, you have come together and you have united together as if you were connected from the womb. You have this deep friendship. You know each other intimately. That was that church. It's so much different than what we have created in our own culture. See, we show up here on a Sunday morning and we say, excuse me, I don't know who you are, but that's my pew. I usually sit there. You're in my pew. These people would show up and say, hey, it's good to see you because you're in my life. You're part of who I am. I was running on a treadmill this week, and there was a guy in front of me on a bicycle facing me. He was on a stationary bike riding. And he looked up and he said, Pastor Jack. I said, hi. He said, you're Pastor Jack. He said, I said, And he's come to this church and he said, I know you. I don't know him. I don't know who he is because I just don't recognize him. He says, it'd be a miracle if you remember me. And so we talk a little bit and just share a little bit about his life. And and he's right, because because when you get a thousand people in here and we're talking, I, just, I don't know everybody. Can you see that happening in Rome? Can you see them walking down the street and, and two guys meeting and one goes, Adronicus, Adronicus. And Adronicus looks. He says, oh, you probably don't remember me, do you? No, don't you remember that that we stood right together while Apollos was eaten by the lions? He said, no, that wouldn't happen that way. Because there's this intimacy there, because of the life they lived and the fact that they came together in these, these tribes, in these small groups. That there was this intense protection upon, uh, over each other and, and, a, and a caring that took place because of the intimacy that came gathering together on a regular basis and more than at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You see, they wouldn't call this church, not what we call it. I can remember in high school only twice, or actually going through school only twice, ever getting into a fight. The first one was in fifth grade. I'd written a love note to Janet Jones, and Gary Fallon intercepted the message. And he was going to read it to the class. I would die first. So we went after it and ended up at the principal's office and, and Janet Jones still does not love me today. <laughs> the second was when I was a junior in high school and I don't know exactly what happened but it was during drama class and some guy had just shot his mouth out too many times and we had squared off. We first did the pushing thing to establish boundaries and now we're ready to start swinging. And all of a sudden, there's this flurry of activity and this person jumps between me And Bruce, the guy that I'm going to fight. And the voice from this person says, To get to Jack, you have to come through me. You think that's so cool? Well, no, it was my sister. (laughs) I would rather die. That is Adelphus that I know you so well that I will protect you and I will love you. And that is what was happening in these tribes. He said, there's brothers and you are saints. The word is hagios. It means not sacred and that which appeals to the world around you in a culture that is not God, but that which is sacred towards the, uh, uh, sacred towards the divine. And in this case, it was Jesus. That friendship was the leading edge and Jesus was the center because these were tribes. And what they did then would certainly contradict what we do today in our culture. It would contradict what has become our tradition in America. See, we've been told that bigger is better and larger is healthier. So that if you're going to be a success as a church, you have to be a large church. Everybody should try to be a Joel Osteen church. Everybody should try to be a Rick Warren church. Everybody should move that direction. Only if we could be that big, just think of what we could do for the kingdom. And yes, those men and what's happening there is phenomenal. But if that is the the epitome of success, then 99.9% of people who go to church aren't part of a successful church. There's something wrong with that because what you do is when you do that you start building up the sense of here we are Come to my bible study come to my church service come to my worship gathering come to my musical come to my drama Come to 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 my whatever and it's right here. You come here And a success is you coming to mine here then I don't mind cannibalizing other tribes to get you here I'll take your people and put them with mine. So at least then we're a success But when I look at Jesus, Jesus spent most of his time with his friends and very few time with crowds, and when he was with crowds, he did what he needed to do, and then he escaped from them. And he would hide, and when he would show up again, it was not here I am, but when Jesus showed up, it was there you are. He's walking outside of Jericho on the way to be crucified in Jerusalem, and he hears a man crying out to be healed of his blindness, and Jesus turned and says, there you are. Get him over here. Just previous to that, he's walking into the city, and a man who was so lonely because he has no friends and because of his occupation has hidden in a tree trying to get a, a view of Jesus, and Jesus stops and says, There you are. Let's go eat lunch at your place. And the rest of the crowd was not invited. Jesus is walking near the pool of Siloam, and there's a man who's been wanting to be healed for years, and Jesus shows up and says, There you are. Jesus was a there-you-are person. And it had to do with the tribes and the close intimate friendships that he had. The bigger the gathering, the less the intimacy. The farther the distance, me to you in the balcony, the less the connecting. The larger the presentation, the lesser the participation say, okay, whoa, 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 Reisner, you're telling us that we shouldn't gather here on Sunday morning? Oh, yes, we should. It's our tradition. And because we can, we have the ability and we have the authorization. They couldn't do that in Rome. They may have tried at certain times to do that, but they couldn't because they didn't have the authorization to do that. And they didn't have the, 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 the facilities to do that. And what's great about this is that with many of us together, I can speak to you and there can be apostolic covering of protection, a fathering over you and a pastoral teaching over you and a prophetic edge given to you that says, here's what God is doing and we can move together in unity that direction. So this is wonderful. And the thing that I love most about this gathering, and it happened again this morning, is the worship. That there is something explosive about us as we worship God together that is much more powerful than me just worshiping by myself. And what it does, it releases an energy into the heavenlies that surround this city. So I'm going to tell you that this corporate, unified power release changes a city, but it's the intimacy that changes a person. See, I can stand before you today and say, "I love you," and I do. And in fact, just turn to somebody and says, "Hey, Reisner loves you." And see, you don't seem real excited about it because it's just this general thing. I I love you. But see, if I come down here and I say, Jeff Newber, dude, I love you. I love the prophetic edge you carry. I love the passion you have for Jesus. I love the way you treat your wife. I love the way you raised your girls. I love it when we're together, we laugh and we have a great time. I just love being with you. Did that make a difference? Oh, yeah, this is Pentecost Sunday for God so loved the world that he gave. And so the message goes out. God loves you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. Okay, so that's great. But he said, I sent my Holy Spirit to activate the church so they could tell each person personally that I love them. Oh, it's great to have it spread over the airwaves and it's great to have it read in in the Bible. But there is this thing that God said, I need my church, you as an individual, to communicate that directly in your tribes. So I want to say to you this morning that precise encouragement is found in circles of friends. There wasn't a church gathering of hundreds in Rome. They'd get in their houses and they would eat together. And this was like every day. They would eat together and and then somebody would start singing a worship song. Some would sing a song out of the Psalms. And somebody would make up a song about Jesus. A psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. And somebody would say, you know, I was, just, I was just remembering what Jesus said, and so let's talk about that. And somebody would pull out the scripture and say, remember this, and there would be an instruction. And then they'd say, how do we apply this? How do we do this? What do we do? And they'd talk about it. There was this connecting. It has not changed that when you are with your tribe, when you're with your friends or the people you hang out with, It is in those moments that God's Holy Spirit says, I want your friend to know that I love them and I want you to tell them and I'm going to give you an ability to do that. It is so much more than, hey, you want to go to church with me on Sunday? The guy there will tell you how much God loves you. They don't know me. They don't know Jack. That's a phrase. Some of you are saying, does he know what he just said? Yeah, they don't know Jack. But you know them. I had one of the most impactive changes in my life. Last year, as you let Pam and I go to our sabbatical. See, I was raised... In a, in, a, in a church home my dad's was a pastor and and my grandfather was a pastor and my uncles are pastors and And my brothers are pastors and my sister's married to a missionary And so we've got the whole church culture thing down. I mean we've got it And I grew up believing That to secure this movement of god that everything happened here in church That there's going to be a worship service that happened here in church if there were going to be ministries they were on the list at church, and if you want to be involved in a ministry, you get to select out of those. In fact, we need you, so get over here. And if you love Jesus, you will serve in the nursery. So we, we, we had all the list of all the ministries. Happened here at church. If there was going to be a prophetic word, something coming from the spiritual giftings, it happened in church because you're safe there. And so the pastor could say, hey, that's right, that's good. So you go there to hear the message in tongues, the interpretation, the prophetic word, a word of encouragement, a word of, of, of wisdom, or a or discernment, or miracles. They happen here. It's ingrained in me. So that's why if you want to meet God, you've got to show up to where the church is meeting. And that's why we had it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and added revivals because we need more of God. So we just keep going to the place, to the place, to the place, to the place, because it happens here. And if you love God, you go there to that place, here, right here, right here, right here. So Pam and I are seated in a cafe in Durban, South Africa, and a new friend that we've just met and getting to know is sitting there with us, and we're eating. And he looks at Pam, and he says, can I pray for you? We're in a cafe. She just took a bite. (laughs) Well, yeah, But we're not here. So he starts to pray. And as he begins to pray a blessing on her, he begins to prophesy over her and speaks directly to her heart the things that she's been dealing with that we had spent time before we went on sabbatical just to just jettison junk. We went to a counselor for three days just so that we could get rid of the 30 years of junk we've carried, 30 or so years in marriage and in in ministry. And, and it was just wonderful. But he starts to address those issues in a prophetic word in a cafe in Durban, South Africa, as the waiter's walking by. And it was just so right on. And it was not here, it was there. And that was the church. It was our new friend found in our new tribe. You see, when you begin to understand that we are tribes and we're not this, this organized thing that happens on Sunday mornings, I mean this is great. But we're tribes. And if we're tribes, everyone is responsible. Well, who's your friend? Don, give me a name of a close friend. David. David. You're responsible for David. Adam, good friend. He doesn't have friends. So today, Adam needs a tribe. Jason who Dave same Dave different Dave You are responsible for Dave Jenny Emily, you're responsible for Emily. You got friends. You are responsible for them How do I know that Paul says this to the church of Corinth it also applies to the church at Rome 1st Corinthians 12 verse 27 All of you together are what? Christ's body. we're all part of this whole thing. And each of you is a part of it. And that part of it comes with it. Its wording means that you are responsible for the rest of the people you connect with. You're responsible. I just want to say it again. You are responsible. You say, oh, no, no, you're the pastor. You get paid. No, no. I'm good and I get paid. You're good for nothing. (laughs) Take that one. You are responsible it has nothing to do with career paths or payment. It is the body of Christ. The context of that whole passage we just read just now that we're together in Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. The context of that is surrounded by these words. And in the end, there'll be three things, faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is Love. This whole thing deals with love. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, it is, it's the expression of love. And here's how he says we express it, 1 Corinthians 12. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Do you all need Don Fisher? Say it loud. You've got to help him. You, Yes, because he's part of the body. We need you. Somebody needs you. Who needs you? Well, let me ask you who needs you. Who do you have lunch with? Who do you bowl with? Who are you part of that parent-teacher organization with? Who do who you in classroom with those are your, your tribe people those are the people who need you And if you believe that the only time that the church really functions is on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock It is no wonder that people come to a church stay for a while and leave Because we cannot cover all the bases that you're supposed to be doing in your tribal gatherings Because it just drives me crazy Jenny and the band will be up here and they'll be leading us through worship and it may not be your style and you will somebody say, "Hey, I was worshiping, well, that's was okay." But you know they just uh, it was, uh, there's drums and, they just, and, and, and or somebody else will go, "It was incredible. It was." And how can it be both in the same service? Because we all have different needs, different styles. Somebody will come up to me after service and say, we, we, Pastor, we, just, we almost broke through. We almost got through. If you'd have just let this thing go for another hour, it would, have just, it would have gone. And Pastor, don't ever worry about going more than an hour or two more hours over. Just do it. Do what God wants you to do. And then somebody else says, Thank you for getting to the sermon because I had to leave at 1130 and what you said changed my life. What do I do with that? Somebody else will say to somebody, How was the message? The message was good, a little, a little shallow for me. Somebody else will say, it was so deep, I don't know what I'm going to do. How do I, how do I parse this out? All, both in the same service. So how do I deal with that? Because what happens is, you sit there, and if this is the only thing you have with the church, then, then on Sunday morning, you say, okay, how was it? Oh, it was a 5.5. I scored a 5.5 out of 10. And if it's a 5.5 next week and the week after that, I'm going to go to a new theater of worship because it's not meeting my needs. I am sorry. But I can't do that. This gathering on Sunday morning was never built to meet every single need you have. And God is so gracious because when we worship and when there's prophetic words, they meet a lot of levels. But he said, "You're, you're missing a whole piece here. I don't have the cast to accomplish that for you. So what I'm telling you is this. If you want to be the church and you want Jesus to change the world and you want Jesus to, to make you what you need to be, then you have to be ready to encourage each other and not just on Sunday morning in this setting. Because there are these spiritual things, that, and Paul talks about these spiritual giftings, the, the tongues and the interpretation and the prophetic word and the gift of of. Wisdom and the gift of knowledge and the discerning of spirits and the and the gifts of healing and just and all these wonderful things and, and you say yeah that happens on sunday morning And we get so used to that because only a few people do that So we have the same people, you know sister gumball and brother snark. They're the ones that always do that stuff Oh, yeah, if you need a spiritual gifting then then sister gumball she, She'll give that tongue but be ready because she just blitz it out real quick and it scares you to death if you're if you're in front of her Oh, oh what was that? just weird. And then I've got to explain to you why well, well, that was a tongue and interpretation. My wife will tell you that when she was in high school and she bought a boyfriend at church one day, somebody blurted out with this, this, this tongue and, and her friend said, "There." the guy said, what is that? She said, "Oh, they're from another country. They're just praising God. <laughs> so you, you get the same people doing the stuff. How does that hit us intimately? I mean, kinda so God is so graceful to us. I mean, we had a prophetic word this morning, and and many layers hit many people. But does it have to be the same people? Same time? What if you need a word from God's Spirit in your life because you're dealing with an issue on Tuesday, but you know you're not going to get any spiritual words to you until Sunday? How do you do that? Same people, same time, same message. If we're not careful, we're just there for the experience. And so the message is always this bland little same thing. Oh, behold, my brothers, God loves you. And he wants you to make it. And he's got a list and he's checking it twice. It's just, it's just this. And how does that help? same people, same time, same message, same limits. Paul the Apostle said in a gathering of of the movement of the Spirit, you keep it to three prophecies, three tongues, and three interpretations. So what if those three prophecies or the three tongues and interpretations and they're, they're limited there didn't touch the issue you're dealing with? You come back next week and hope you hit the jackpot? Maybe somebody will speak to that issue? Or should it be happening on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? Because I don't read anywhere where the Holy Spirit only shows up for work on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. But where's the setting for that? Where's your tribe? That's the setting. So they gather together amazing about these people is they would gather together in these tribes and they would share their lives they would share their intimacy and what's great about it then is as they're talking to each other then they can begin to deal directly with the issues and the spirit of god can speak to that and so one can show up and say hey bobby i know you're trying to deal with with the university issue where you're supposed to go and i was praying for you this week and i think i have a word of wisdom for you about this issue Because we've been spending time praying together and we're intimate. We know each other's lives. And the Spirit of God says, here directly, we're going to deal with that. Not some crap shoot on Sunday morning hoping that maybe he'll get touched. But because I know you and I know what the Spirit of God wants to do, I can pray into that situation. And, And God will say, here, now I want you to tell them this. And we have the same fear. Some of you seated in this place have felt the spirit of God say to you, I want you to communicate something. And in this large setting of a thousand people, you go, oh, I can't speak out loud there. I was in a setting once about this size and somebody started out, behold, the Lord says, and then they stopped. It so freaked them out they forgot what the Lord said. Because, because they're not used to speaking out loud. How wonderful it is in that tribal setting when someone says, you know, I've been praying about you and I think God wants you to know this. And they go, but oh, maybe, no, no, come on, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Work it through, work it through. Come on, tell me. Well, I think it's this and yes, 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 That's it. That's it. That's what I've been wanting to hear. That that confirms what God's... And then you go, yes, I did it. So they had these gatherings together. and, And because of that, Paul the Apostle tells them, this is how it functions. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize when you meet together. One will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must be the strengthening for all of you. So they get together and, and somebody says, here's what I've been reading this week and I think God has an instruction for us. Okay, go for it. C- can we do that in here? We, we, we can't. do. If all of you have an instruction and all of you have a tongue and all of you have an interpreter, we, can't, we don't have enough time to do that here, but you can do it in Tribes. I think God's got this word, and here's what I think He said. And oh, you know, I had this revelation this week, and, and let's see, let me test it on you. See what you think. You know, I was praying for you, and I have this discernment about this issue. Let me tell that to you. And there's this wonderful praying and singing and sharing and talking about Jesus that takes place there. And it's for the purpose of strengthening. He said that word "strengthen" there actually means to build. A structure. It's like building a house. We're building you spiritually when we do this. We're building each other up. So I was with a friend this week and we're just friends and we're just talking and and I said, Can I pray for you? And we started praying and as I started praying for him, this this thing flashed in my mind and I felt like God's spirit said, No, don't just pray for his protection, but pray for the fact that I have not just tightly covered him with protection, but I've actually moved out and given him protection so that he has more space than he ever thought he had and is all protected. So those things that he needs that he thought he couldn't get, he's got them now. And so I began to pray and then I said, here's what I think God's saying. God is saying to you that it's not just not a, a tight protection and you can barely move, but he has spread back the acreage, baby, and he's got you covered. And so, man, just walk in that freedom. Go. And he said, that's a Confirmation. See, say, but you're a pastor. That happens to you. You get to do that stuff. No, 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 no. I'm a child of God, and every one of us has the right to do that. And he wants to do that through you. And the cool thing about it is he could have said to me, well, it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell, but I'll, I'll hold it there. Then I'll think, well, maybe I missed, but let's talk it through. And maybe it will work, but maybe it won't. But still, the love covers me, and I'm okay. Paul said, what I want you to do is I want you to be zealous. I want you to be earnest for getting those giftings in your life when you're together. To be zealous, to have this energy that I certainly want this thing. So here's what I want to tell you. Let's make it as clear as I can. You need to be in tribes and you need to be talking to each other and spend enough time that you're talking about the things of Jesus, praying for each other, and when the Spirit of God stirs something inside of you, have the freedom to speak it. Because if you're zealous to do that, he says, I'll give you the ability and you will learn how to do this and the Spirit of God will guide you in that process. For you. Whether you've known Jesus for an hour or for 10 years, it's for you by his Spirit. You say, but wait, wait, wait. So what if a person tells me something to just way off, off the wall? What if he comes up and says, thus saith the Lord? Do I, do I listen to that? I want to encourage you to be wise to test everything that's told you. Behold, the Lord says, well, did he? And was it for you? And was it for now? Just because somebody says, and this has happened to me, someone comes up and says, the Lord told me to tell you this. Well, that just puts you in a bad place, doesn't it? Because you're thinking, oh, if God told you, then I'm, I'm, I better listen because you know what God does with people that don't listen. Zzz. So I've got to listen. This is so practical. Paul says, hey, 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 be smart. Someone says that, figure out if God said it. Just don't take it because, behold, the Lord says. Because here's the problem. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, he said, let two or three people prophesy and let the others do what? Evaluate it, judge it. Okay, you just said that. We're going to talk about it. Oh, you can talk about it because it was spiritual. Oh, baby, we can talk about it. Because it doesn't equate to the Word of God. We don't don't question the Word of God, but you, we question. So we're going to talk about you, because the problem is this, that we want to speak for God, but it comes to our own biases. It comes to our humanity. That's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. We think we got the whole picture. We only got part of it, and we're not even sure we've got the part. So what do you do? I had somebody walk up to me once. And say to me, and and I I know them, I I know who they are, and I know their their passion. And they walked up, and there's this retreat they've been to that they love, and they wanted me to go on this retreat because it would change my life. And so they came to me and said, I've been praying, and God's telling me to tell you. So there it is. God's telling me to tell you that you should go to this retreat, that God says it will change your life. Then they they didn't stop there. Then they said, and if you don't listen to God, here's what they said. If you don't listen to God, I wash my hands and the consequences are all yours. What do you do with that? I'll go to 20 retreats just to cover that. So here's the deal. When someone speaks a prophetic word to you or says, I think God's saying this, write it down. Ask them to write it down. You say, "You mean, if, if, if something is spoken spiritually, you write it down, it won't take the mystery out of it. How do you think you got the word of God? Write it down. Have them write it down. If if God's saying it, it's important, isn't it? So write it down. Then, judge the character of the person who gave it to you. Do you know them? Do you know what their motives are? Do you know where they come from? Do you know why they'd be passionate about this? And the way you do that is that you get with others of mature faith and you say, here is a prophetic word given to me. And they'll say, well, who gave it to you? How well do you know them? And do you trust that? What was going on during that time? So look, if somebody walks up to me and I don't know, and they say, Behold, the Lord says, sell everything you have in here. move to Anchorage, Alaska and run naked on an iceberg. I'm going to say, Who are you? Because I'm not sure this is God and I don't know anything about you. So who's speaking and why are they speaking it? Figure it out. Because it could be someone that you know that really serves God and loves God and you know the motive is pure. So you go, Oh, I better listen to this. Secondly, what was the presence in which it was given? Do you feel like when they told you that it clicked in here? Or did you feel like, whoa, there's something wrong with that? Well, then pay attention to it. Because it says, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean, thus said the Lord. Sometimes it's, thus saith my passion. Sometimes it's, thus saith my manipulation. So you've got to figure that out in your tribes. Then you've got to ask the question with the mature brothers and sisters, how do I interpret that? I've been some places where, interpreta- where, where prophetic words are given like this. For a time, time, and time and a half, the Lord's power will be reveal itself, and then you should respond. And they're done. And they go, wait, wait, I don't even know what time, time, time and a half means. How do I know what to do with that? So I want to say to that person, come back here, come back, come back. You just don't give it and run off. What is time, time and a half? And if you can't interpret that, then don't tell me that thing. That's why Paul said if there's a tongue in a, in a public gathering, don't give it unless you know someone's going to interpret that thing. Don't do it. He is so practical. Why confuse us? So what is the interpretation of what's been said? And then finally, then what is the application? Is it now? Is it later? What am I supposed to do with this? Was it for me? Was it for you? Who was it for? Work it through. And then on top of all that, you have the covering of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists who cover you and say, we're going to protect you from, from selfish agendas, We're going to protect you from naive foolishness so that this stuff flows the way the Spirit of God wants it to flow. So I just want to tell you in a very practical way this morning that if you have questions about prophetic words given, we have a brochure. We've had it back in those those racks that are in the back on the walls, and it's entitled The Guide for Personal Prophecies. Pick one up. It'll help you. And secondly, starting on July 8th, Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason's starting a, a class deal specifically, how you can hear the voice of God, how you communicate it, words of wisdom, knowledge, discernment, those things, go sit in the class. It will help you. So here we've got this gathering, big explosive. We're going we're to change the city, but then we have these tribes. And these tribes care and protect each other. Focused love is found in close living. If you're a doctor, you don't walk in front of a crowd like this and go, Okay, so if you have these symptoms, you got dry mouth and and you feel dehydrated and you go to the bathroom a lot and and you find that you have these weak moments and, 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 and then not so much weak moments and and, and you just kind of zone out. You and go through a bunch of lists and say, Okay, then you have diabetes, and so I'm gonna tell you go get insulin, and then they walk off. You say, well, what do I do with that? I want to sit down with my doctor and he's going to say, okay, how are you feeling? What's going on? Okay, we're going to run some tests. Now here's my diagnosis and now you need to take some insulin. So here's what you need to take because I I want that personal touch because that helps me. So it's good for us to be here, but but can I sit here or stand here today and tell you everything you need to know? It happens because the tribes get together and they communicate intimately what you know about each other that I don't know. Care is not intended for mass consumption, but for personal connection. You say, okay, well, what do we do? You say, small groups, that's the answer, small groups. I love small groups. We have like 75, 80 small groups in this church. But the problem with small groups is this. Sometimes it feels like a forced marriage. We'll grab Jason and run him over here and say, he's now part of your small group, love him. You don't even know him. I mean, you've, you've, got, you've got a group of, of uh, five couples that are 93 years old, and then you have a, a, a young guy, a young family with, with two-year-old, three-year-old, and four-year-old. How's that going to blend? That'll be a great intergenerational mix, but they're all not going to go rock climbing together. Remember when Jesus put together the disciples, he got family members and he got people who work together, people who are already, most of them already connected. You see, sometimes small groups are like this. You know what it is? It's a cast. What do you use cast for? Cast heals something that's broken. So, we put people in small groups. We invite them into small groups and in that loving atmosphere they get healed. Now the problem with a cast is that it's not part of the body, it's artificial. So after a while, you've got to cut the thing off. Because if you leave the cast on, the body begins, the muscles begin to atrophy because it's not natural. Small groups are great, but I'm going to tell you right now what has to happen in small groups. I mean, if you're not already in a tribe, get in a small group, but here's what's got to happen with the small group. The small group must become a tribe. Or you need to say this was great, and you need to move out eventually as you are healed and find your tribe. It is there that you connect. It happens within the tribes. It is there that you have commitment to each other. And this is so vital. So Paul Paul, talking to these friends in Rome then says this, Romans 16, verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss and all the churches of Christ send greetings. The bottom line is this, that that our lives are our gathering together should be sealed by a commitment. The friendship should be sealed by a commitment. That's what the, the, the kiss was. The kiss was, I'm kissing you because we are, we are brothers. We are sisters in the Lord. Nothing sensuous at all. It's just that I'm, I'm just letting you know that this is the seal. We are committed to each other. This means that we're together for the long haul. And here's the problem I had, I have with the church in the United States. We call this church, this little gathering we have for an hour and a half to two hours on a Sunday morning. We don't connect. And then if we don't like what's happening because the song didn't match us or whatever else, we, we go someplace else. There is no commitment. There's no long haul. So how can we get to know each other and heal each other? This gathering this morning is a gathering of tribes. And here we celebrate, and here the power is released, but it is in your tribal gatherings that you get to know each other, and the Spirit of God changes your life. For that to happen, for us to have these tribes, and to have this commitment, <clears throat> you need to be present. And see, we're going to have to work this out in our culture because we're so busy, but if you're in a tribe, you need to be in a tribe where your kids can play in the same baseball team. You need to be in a tribe where you take some weekends off together. You need to be in a tribe where you have a meal together every week. If it's truly a tribe, you need to spend your time together. And so find the tribe where you can do that together. You must be together. Secondly, you must be for, be forgiving. Because surface relationships don't have problems because if I don't like you, I just leave. But if you're in a tribe, you have commitment. You have to, you have to learn how to forgive each other. Because you're going to violate each other. You're going to offend each other. So let me give you a spiritual word, three words about offense. You ready? Get over it. Stay together in your tribes and work through the issues. Thirdly, be realistic. The community is not the end all. The community is not the source to all your answers but the community is the atmosphere in which you find all the answers. Because friendship is the outer edge and Jesus is the center. And in Jesus, you find the answers. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and I just want to share this final story with you. <clears throat> 17 years ago, johnny carson was going off and jay leno was starting pam and i connected with a tribe there were five couples and we said we need to be with each other we're in close geographical location we like it when we're with each other we grow when we're with each other and jesus is the center and so we committed ourselves to be with each other as time went on 17 years ago We all began to move to different parts of the country, but we said the tribe remains. So we will stay together. Even if we have to just meet two times a year in person and continue to to email or call, we will stay connected because we will grow each other through life. So we've gone through horrendous illnesses. We've gone through, through family issues that tore them up. We went through the death of one of our guys through cancer. We walked through all the stages of life. But we're a tribe. So last week, about two weeks ago, Pam and I went to meet with the tribe. And so we're there, and and two years ago we invited somebody who knew somebody, and we got to meet them to come be part of the tribe because we really like them, and tribes do that. They find other people who need a tribe, and they say, come on, be with us, because it's a match, and so we bring them in. So we're, we're seated there sharing our life and, and this newer couple are sharing their life and they are broken, they are devastated because they're in that place of life where, where she has dealt with so many false views of, of who she is. Her value is so little that she sees in herself and she just doesn't see how God can take care of her. She is just devastated and, and she's just on herself. What a rotten mom I am. And what's not helping is that her two teenage daughters who are in that stage where mom is really stupid, are telling her that and devaluing her so she feels like she can't do anything right and she is just torn apart. There's nothing good in her at all. And he, he was raised in a family where you don't deal with issues so he won't defend her. And in this tribal gathering of love and protection and mutual care, The older woman of the entire group, who rarely speaks, she's very shy, shoots up out of her chair, walks over to this woman, takes her by the hands and tears are streaming down her eyes because these two are part of a tribe longer. They're the ones who brought them in and they know each other and she knows what to pray for and she knows what she's walked through. It's not just a sudden understanding. She's grown with this woman and she says, I want to tell you what Jesus thinks of you today and this prophetic, powerful presence of God just sweeps out of her mouth. And she starts saying, and Jesus sees this in you today. And she just starts clothing her with value and truth and wiping out the false understandings. And you can just see the countenance changing and the tears rolling down her eyes as she begins to get an understanding, a revelation of, this is who I am? This is who I am? Halfway through, one of our brother's one of the guys of the group turns to the, the husband and says, and I'm going to tell you something, you are the protector of this woman. And he begins to admonish him and say, you must defend her. And he says, yeah, yeah. And so now we've got this, this, this happening. And all the struggle and all the pain that she's feeling suddenly begins to be alleviated. And as the ending of this moment comes, where we're gathered around as a tribe who loves and protects then Ruth says this. It's a poem that came out of, the, out of her memory that's just deep down inside, but it came out with the presence of God's anointing, a, 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 a penetrating presence that, that this woman needed so desperately. And here's what she said. Dear child, God does not say today be strong. He knows your strength is spent. He knows how long the road has been and how weary you have grown. For he who trod these earthly roads alone, each bogging lowland and each rugged hill, can understand. And so he says, be still. For you must rest a while and you must wait until life's empty reservoirs fill up. As slow rain fills an empty upturned cup. Hold up your cup, dear child, for God to fill. He only asks today that you be still. And she sighs and knows she can be because she's protected by the company of friends. This morning, who's your tribe? I'm going to ask you to determine who they are. I'm going to ask you to schedule yourself together many times in a month. Days during the week. And I'm going to ask you when you get together to simply do this. Share life. Talk about Jesus. And pray for each other. And watch what the Spirit of God does inside of you. Will you stand? I'm going to ask our elders, their spouses, staff, their spouses, to just come and stand here. We're going to have a time for prayer. Some of you just need to be still before God and, and, and be prayed for. So come and just take, take your place if you will. In just a moment, Jenny's going to sing this song that we sang earlier today some of you just need to find rest. These altars are open. Some of you need to have somebody pray for you. They'll pray for you. Jenny's going to sing this through once and then so that we can hear each other down here. They're going to just play the music and you're going to have time to, to pray. But I want us to sing the song. And as we're singing it, you're welcome to go. You're welcome to worship. But let me pray over you now. I want to bless you. Now may you understand the impact that you have on others when the Spirit of God speaks through you. May you understand the moments He gives you and be... Be courageous to speak and to love and to care. And may you find your tribe. And may you grow that tribe from this point on and for years to come. And may you see the kingdom of God advance because you reach out and invite others to be part of this group that's so loving and so caring. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to worship. God bless you. If you're leaving, please do it quietly and reverently.
1: Damn. Yeah.